Hope is the thing with feathers. Hope is the thing with feathers. That's like a bird. Like a bird. That perches in the soul. That perches in the soul. Welcome to the Thing with Feathers podcast, a podcast about birds and hope. I'm your host, birding enthusiast, Courtney Ellis. Welcome back to the Thing with Feathers podcast. I am so delighted to have Patsy Claremont with us today on the podcast. Patsy is an author, a speaker, a lover of birds. She's written over 20 books, including Catching Fireflies and I Grew Up Little. She's a person of deep hope and faith who is also well acquainted with grief. Welcome, Patsy. Well, thank you, Courtney. I appreciate that sweet intro. It is so lovely to have you. I, I I get a little starstruck sometimes. This is one of those times. I grew up seeing your books all over and dipping into them and discovering that you were a person of humor and wisdom and thoughtfulness and grace and generosity. So tell us a little bit first about your, your writing career. How did writing find you? Yes, let's start with the starstruck. Part because my feathers fall off fast and revealed is not real pretty. It's my humanity, but I'm grateful for humanity. That too was a gift from our God. Mm. Uh, writing found me uh, first. I didn't know that was what was finding me when I personally as a young person, as a child, found joy in words. I, I like the rhythm of a good word. I, I like the music in it. I, I like the way that you could put words together and they could marry and have a long life together. And there was something about that that triggered an interest. Uh, I didn't have a lot of interest in school. I didn't do well in school, except in speech class. Uh, and it seemed incongruent to my speech teacher that I could be doing so poorly everywhere else and so well in his class. So he always graded me down because he didn't know how I was getting away with this. So um, he didn't know and I didn't know that it was meant for me as a path. And uh, to this day, I take great joy in uh, words and people who deliver them well. Mm -hmm. I was listening to an audible book just recently, and the writer was also the reader. Mm -hmm. And she did such a magnificent job of reading her own words that uh, I would laugh out loud in the joy of those moments, uh, her descriptions and uh, her enunciation, all of it was just uh, pure joy to my ears and my heart. I had lost the storyline. I was uh, so joyous over each word she'd selected. I wanted to sit and just soak it all in. So I've loved words since childhood. 
and I eventually would find my way back to them as I was searching for truth and answers uh, to dark years of my life. Mm. And that was one of the places that you and I have connected recently. We actually had a different original recording date for this podcast, but my grandfather died and I reached out to you and said, I'm a little tender and grief stricken. And you said, I absolutely understand. So talk a little bit more about your your journey with grief. Well, the dark years was initially grief for myself. I was um, just kind of disappearing in the darkness of my sadness, and I couldn't find the light again. And it was, I didn't understand what had overtaken me and why my life was in such a predicament. And I became agoraphobic or housebound Mm -hmm. emotionally and physically. And that would take years to work back out of, and God would use words all the way and liberating me and uh, giving me wings. But before I go there, I have a little verse for you. Uh, I've taken a kind of advantage of a little thing that I had written. I am not a poet, but I am a lover of movement and sound, uh, and I enjoy the poetry in others. Now, when I say I'm not a poet, um, I, I do appreciate poetry to the depth of me. But this is a little one for you in this season, and I've, I'm reading it as though God is sending a little post-it to your heart. Hmm. I've seen the struggle, Courtney, that you've gone through to lift your wings and fly. I've caught the tears you've shed from your broken heart that cries. Yet even though your journey has been difficult and long, it has not stopped my joy, child, and it has not stalled your song. Your melody reigns sweet in the winds of your days. Your wounds will heal in harmony with the mystery of my ways. There's something about um, our God that is so mysterious. Uh, We cannot figure him out. Uh, We put our heads together. We put our hearts together. We put our words together. And we cannot figure much of who he is out. Mm -hmm. We can read about him in the scripture and gain insight into his character and his heart and his great love but we can't figure out why he allows some of the things that he does. And uh, he tells us we won't be able to get him. I don't know why we didn't believe that part of scripture. He said, my ways are above your ways. My thoughts Mm -hmm. above your thoughts. You're not going to get me. I am holy, holy. Mm -hmm. And in that holiness is... Um, 
a whole identity that we can't begin to grasp. And um, I once tried to define the word glory and oh, glory, there was no end to that. And it was uh, kind of an amazing journey for me and the glory of God uh, and never could finish figuring it out and Mm. realized I'd have to rest in just the joy and amazement and wonder of it all. Mm. So um, the sadness and the sorrow that we suffer in this life is so full of content Mm. so that the redemptive part of his hand and his love to us is on the other side of it and even during it. We gain sensitivity and insight, and uh, we look at our life differently, our memories, our current uh, relationships, our goals that we're setting, and um, the belief system which we have are all impacted by sorrow much more than by joy. Joy we're so grateful for. And we are all about the dance, uh, but sadness and sorrow um, make us brave Mm. because we come out of it and now we're not afraid of the deep pain of others, where before it was almost like touching a hot stove. This is more than I could bear. So Mm. I'll stay back here while you get well and we'll talk when you're doing better. Mm. But sorrow makes you move in and become a companion. Mm. It may be a silent companion um, for often wordlessness is as much and more a gift as expressing all that's on our mind. Um, It's sort of like a little book I was reading. I picked it up this morning again. It says, first you have to row a little boat. And uh, it, it is a, um, a picture of this man's life. He uses it to teach us lessons. But in it, he says, I lost both my parents to death, first my father, then my mother, while I was still a boy. That was a colossal storm, an irreversible wind that changed my destiny. I didn't command that win, and I couldn't make it give back what it had taken away. But it was my wind, and I had to sail it until it led me at last to a sheltered cove. Mm. And um, that's what I found. We think the pain will never cease, and it's greater than we've ever experienced in a way that we had not known And we're not familiar with, but after we've been there, there is a a shelter that comes from being able to bear your own storm Mm. and to not to bear it alone, but to bear it. And now there may be some storms we have to do alone, but um, even then Jesus is uh, totally unafraid of any storm that could come against us. Mm-hmm. So I hear his peace be still. I don't always be still, but I hear <laughs> it. 
<laughs> Whether we take that word to heart is up to us, huh? <laughs> ah. Well, Patsy, I, I have always appreciated your deep love for scripture in your books paired with humor, that it doesn't all have to be deadly serious. And I, I hear you talking a little bit about that, even in a season of grief, that sometimes we need to be quiet, sometimes we need to cry, and sometimes we need to laugh. And I imagine, you know, you, you've had this long, illustrious career, but also living as long as you have, you've had opportunity for lots of griefs, big and small. Um, what has been the hardest and heaviest one? I would say um, the loss of my husband, which happened nine months ago. Mm. And uh, so I am still in the throes of that. They say the first year you're kind of, um, you're kind of unthawing from the shock. And then the, next, the following year, in your second year, you're living with the reality, the reality that as long as you're here on this earth, he won't be. And uh, even though you tell yourself that from the beginning, you begin to live it out. And it's, um, it's lonely and it uh, throws you back into looking at your whole life uh, I think that was one of the interesting factors for me. I didn't know I would be doing so many reviews mm. and in reviewing that there would be so much um, that if I wasn't careful, I would get into the sadness of regret. If only I mm. could do that over. If only I didn't say that. If only I would have sought a higher path or mm. less emotional take or mm. uh, you just begin to kind of second guess yourself on a lot of levels with the relationship and mm. I, I still do that even a little with my mom mm. and she's been gone for many many years I think mm. well mom you should put up with a lot uh, <laughs> She had three children, and each of us gave her the ride of her life. Oh, my goodness. So, How many years were you and Les married? 60. 60. 60 years. He kept saying, I got to make it to 60 years. I got to make it. He said, now mm. something happens to me, and we haven't made it to 60 years. Have them put me on life support until July the 14th when that 60 years comes up, <sighs> and then you can have them turn it up. I said, oh, my goodness. You're going you're gonna to make it way past 60 years. Because mm. uh, he had very severe health issues uh, for many, many years. And mm. so the doctors, when we would go in, would not say, good to see you, Les. They would say, you're still alive? <laughs> because he made it through so mm. much. And mm. uh, part of um, who my husband was, was his humor. He made mm. us all laugh. Mm. He um, And he always was singing. He was uh, your best kind of bird. He had a great <laughs> song. And he, but he was a bit like a sparrow. He did a lot of repeating of that, <laughs> of that song. 
I would say they've heard that that one. And he would go, yeah, I know, but I'm enjoying it again. <laughs> it's not all about them. Some of it's about yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I, My husband and I uh, serve a church here. We're both pastors. And I, I've been thinking a lot lately about the courage it takes to be a widow or to be a widower and to continue showing up to things. There must be just immense temptation to pull the blankets over your head for, for months at a time, but to see people and, and people make different choices. Some cannot sit in the same pew where they sat with their husband for 30 years. Some need to sit in a different section or volunteer for a different ministry, but the courage it takes to, to come back into the fray of life after a loss of that magnitude, I, I have such respect. Well, I didn't realize what it would require, but I'm certainly familiar now. Uh, being dipped in the tank even these nine months has taught me uh, many things that I didn't realize about being a widow and mm. how um, fortunate I am that I have friends who have gone out of their way uh, to remember like important dates and days mm. and uh, will contact me or make a plan and, and pretend they didn't notice it was Valentine's Day mm. or um, uh, take me to dinner on the night of his birthday or just remembering um, times that might be particularly sensitive to a widow. That's a, a really loving thing. I must say that during this time, it's been very hard to own the title widow. Mm. I still am not used to letting it slip through my lips. Mm. Uh, it's a, a name that weighs heavy when I say it. So I'm hoping it will grow some feathers mm. and lighten up. Yeah. Mm. It's always a difficult thing to have a label applied to you that you never intended, you never hoped for, you never wanted. It's, it's yeah. a I dreamed of being a writer. So that was an easy title to take on. Uh, widow, not so much. Yeah. No. Did it take you any amount of time to be able to wear the writer label and feel like, okay, I can, I can claim this now? Actually, what happened was my first book, God Uses Crack Pots, uh, I was waiting for it to arrive. It was so exciting. And then the first box full came and I opened it up. And I thought right at that moment when I opened that up, I was going to feel this like baptism of writership come over me. Hmm. And I held it and I thought, oh, I don't feel like a writer. I thought I was going to feel like a writer. And um, then I thought, well, maybe you have to write two books to <laughs> be a writer. So when my second one came out, I thought, Oh, I don't feel any more like a writer than I did with my first one. How many is it going to take? Uh, I couldn't imagine. So after about 15, I decided, okay, I'm just going to own it. I'm just going to say it. Because <laughs> people would say, what do you do? And I would say, oh, I, I kind of dip in a lot of little pools 
You know, I really wasn't uh, able. And then once I began saying it, I felt more of the ownership. Mm. That's that's good to hear. I'm I'm working on my my fifth book, and I think I have not yet felt felt that baptism either. And the worst moments for me are when people say, "What do you do?" And if I say I'm a pastor, people have all sorts of feelings about women pastors. And if I say I'm a writer, they say, "Well, what's your name?" And I tell them, they go, "Well, I haven't heard of you." And it's it's just no win. I'm like, I'm a mom. I'm a mom. That that one's pretty un- uncontroversial. <sighs> um. I sat next to a um, woman on a plane who evidently wasn't happy that she had a seat partner and went out of her way to physically send me the message, do not look at me, do not speak to me. Uh, So when they handed us um, uh, our drinks, I... Uh, I said, excuse me, and she acted like I had been really mean to her. And I thought, oh, boy, she's having a rough go of it. So I just uh, went about my private business over in the corner with my Dr. Pepper, whatever I was drinking. It wouldn't have been Dr. Pepper. Um, Probably would have been water. Very exciting. Very exciting. And... uh, So uh, as uh, we started to land, she surprisingly turned to me and began to talk. And I thought, maybe she's nervous about landing and she's desperate enough she'd speak. And then she said, what do you do? And I hesitated and I said, well, I write and I'm a, I speak, I'm a speaker for women's groups. And she said, you write. She went right to the writing. And I said, I do. She said, what, what is your name? Maybe I've heard of you. I said, no, you would not have heard of me. Uh, my name is Patsy Claremont. She went, are you kidding me? I've been sitting next to Patsy Claremont. And I said to the Lord, thank you. It felt redeeming that she would be sad about having been so rude to me. (laughs) And I thought, well, that's that probably pays me back for a few times I've been rude to someone. I've learned to ask myself that. If I Hmm. if someone does something that I didn't deserve, I say to myself, now Lord, you say you know. Well, it goes around, it's going to come back to visit you. So mm. who have I done this to? And whenever yeah. I say that, um, I'm amazed that a name or a situation will come up and I'll go, mm. oh, I'm so sorry I asked. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I did do that. So, And now I have to it make is, it right and that's going to be painful. And... Um, then I remember it was years and I had already written a number of books before I got onto an airplane and sat down and um, my husband, I was in the middle seat. He was on the aisle and there was a lady by the window and he nudged me and did his head this way to look at what she was reading. And it was one of my books. That was a sweet moment. I had begun to think nobody was reading them. I couldn't see one anywhere through the airports. And and I was in so many airports. I spoke so 
frequently through those years. I look back now and think, wow, I had wings and didn't know it. Mm. Do you miss that? Do you miss the frantic pace of travel and speaking? And No. Um, I, did, I did what I did for 40 years and that was enough. Mm. You know, it's not that I don't want to interact. That I still love. Uh, but I don't, uh, I don't need a platform. Mm. I need uh, for God to guide my steps. And right now it is not in that direction. Uh, mm. I have a few invitations, but nothing that I'm interested in pursuing um, because I think I just need a long rest. Yeah. There are fallow seasons in, in nature as well. We, we need seasons of, of work and seasons of, of rest. Yes, and I'm, I'm still in uh, recovery. I had several mm. invitations um, to widows groups. Mm. And I said, not yet. Yeah, a little too fresh. And, yeah, and I, I noticed that you're uh, writing on grief. Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, uh, that it is a season where you will be very current with your lessons and that yeah. will be very valuable for the book and the readers, but, mm. but guard your heart yeah. from the places that are still trying to get well. Mm. That's a really kind word. I, I can already sense that I will write, if I write another book on grief in 10 years, it'll be different. It'll be a different book on grief. It's it's really different when it's fresh versus when it's seasoned and when it's had time to kind of settle. It's it's a journey for sure. It is. It is journeys, the big word, isn't it? Yeah. It's a trip none of us want to take, but here we are. <laughs> I was thinking you were going to ask me... Um, who are your favorite poets? Uh, which are your favorite birds? You know, I I was trying to get my mind already. Yeah, because well, I I am going to ask you about birds. We just we just started in the deep places, <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to the light ones. Yeah, uh, uh, I pulled a couple of books down of of. Uh, poets that I've enjoyed hmm. um, and one of them was a book that was a gift from Lucy Swindoll hmm. who is now um, doing her poetry in glory she <laughs> she understands glory now she yeah. just needs to send me a note so yeah. I figure it out but uh, she gave me this and she said here's to life, to the contagious joy of sharing poetry together. Mm. And uh, the name of the book is Poems That Every Child Should Know. Mm. And she said, I grew up with this book. Mm. And she said, um, these poems, we would recite them, uh, we would take turns, Chuck, her brother, Chuck Swindoll, and um, Orville, her older brother. The three of them would memorize them and then present them um, 
with great flourish in the evenings to their family. So um, I think she gave me the book for two reasons. She wanted to share something that had brought her joy, but she also knew that I was a child in this field of Mm. poetry and literature and great art. And she was always um, calling me up higher and nurturing my heart. It is such a gift if you're a gardener or you're a chef or you're something that you've spent years cultivating in your own life. Share that Mm. with someone else who has a hunger for it. And uh, some don't even know they hunger for it till you begin to open up a world for them that they wouldn't have known without your help. Mm-hmm. And Lucy was wonderful about that. I remember we were at a, a museum in uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, I was standing in front of a picture because that's what everybody else was doing. I thought, well, okay, I'll stand here and stare. Maybe something will fall upon me. And uh, Lucy came over and stood next to me. And she said to me, what time is it? Hmm. And I looked down at my watch and she said, no, not on your watch. What time is it in this picture you're studying? And I hmm. said, well, how would I know? I don't know what time it is. And she said, if you do not know what time it is in this painting, you have not looked at it yet. Hmm. And I thought, well, I've been standing here for a while, Lucianne. So I searched it over and I went, oh, it, it must be high noon. There's a real flood of, of light. And, uh, she said, uh, do they like each other? And I said, does who like each other? She said, the people in the boat. I said, there's hmm. a boat? <laughs> people? I'd missed everything in that painting. She was right. I hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked and I found them and I went, oh, yeah. I said, oh, they do like each other. Lucy. Hmm. She said, what are they talking about? I said, now, Lucy, how would I know that? And she said, well, look again. Hmm. And I said, oh, I think it's love talk. I think he's proposing. Do you think she'll accept? Yes, Hmm. Lucy, I think Uh. he'll accept. Right there in the noonday sun. I think he took time off his lunch hour to take Hmm. her out there to ask her. So suddenly I, uh, the story was starting to live inside of me. And yeah. that's what uh, poetry and great art of all forms uh, should help us do mm. to expand our thoughts so we don't stay narrow and small, so we don't miss the sunlight, so we don't know what time it is. It's mm. meant to help us so we can really enter into a big picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that helps me. It helped me knowing Lucy all those years and having her gently invite me to take new steps. Mm-hmm. I'm help you learn how to see. 
Oh, yes. And she did that again and again. I remember once I decided I'd help her. So I said, you know that story you told? I see a little place where you might be able to uh, open it up a little wider. And she said, did I ask you? (laughs) And I went, well, no. And she said, that's right. (laughs) Oh, uh, that's a good word. I need to wait till I'm asked before I do too much inviting. I love I love the arc of that story because, you know, it takes time to learn how to see great art, but it's it's such a Christian metaphor for so many things. It takes time to learn how to see each other, to learn how to see God's work in nature, to learn how to see what's going on in poetry. And, and I think so much of the Christian life is an exercise in learning how to see and tuning our attentions. And I love following you on social media because you have this really deep love, not just for words, that that part is so obvious and so clear and so beautiful, but for the natural world as well. How has the natural world influenced your faith and your writing and helped you in your grief? Yes. uh, uh, There is something about the soft sound of a bird now, uh, birds are not always uh, half soft sounds. Some of them get a little screechy, and I think, oh, there I am. <laughs> but um, uh, there is a swallow uh, on my porch that has made a nest. Hmm. And the other day I went out, and it buzzed my head to let me know, you just watch where you step, young lady. Don't you get close to my babies. I could appreciate that from one mama to another. But um, I, it has been, um, it has been pillows to my to my sleep. It has been um, grace to my steps. Uh, there is something about a sunrise. That reminds me, a new day comes, and with it will come fresh mercies. Hmm. Uh, it reminds me in the the beauty and the intricacy that God works in small places and in grand ways, uh, hmm. that he does the big picture, and he does the very individual touches. Um, I, I learned about a warbler that was um, a little bitty bird up in uh, Canada that migrates to South America. And it drops down from Canada across the United States off the eastern shoreline and then straight down to South America. That's a long trek. And they began to... Um, try to collect information about the journey of that warbler, but they couldn't find where it was coming back onto the coastline to rest. They saw where they journeyed out over the great waters, but they couldn't find them coming in to take their breaks and spend a couple days regaining strength because they were they were very small and they wouldn't have the capacity, they said, to make that kind of, especially against, they were fighting headwinds and waves and unpredictable conditions. And 
they would have to eat and forage for food. And they had all this going on in their heads. Finally, they devised uh, little backpacks with instruments in it to tell them when the birds came back onto shore. So they put the little backpacks on, I don't know, a half a dozen or a dozen of the birds. And uh, off the birds went and off the shoreline they went. But they went out so far over the water that the signal couldn't make it back in on what they had devised because they thought, They'll have to come back in, and as they get closer, we'll record where it's at. Never happened. And they thought, Mm -hmm. well, where did they go? So they went to South America looking for birds with backpacks because they needed the information. And it turned out that they did the whole trek in one flight without food or foraging, and they're just blown away by that. And I think um, some of us are asked to carry a lot Mm. uh, for a very long way. But Mm. when they got to South America, the birds with the backpacks were in the trees with the others singing their song. Mm. So I, I loved, I love what I learned when I um, go out into nature, when I hear the songs and the variety of them. And I have a tree, um, it's a magnolia, because I'm in the South, honey. (laughs) Um, And you got to have magnolias when you're in the South. And it is full of mockingbirds. Hmm. So I can hear any number of songs coming out of those leaves because they have like, I don't know, 37 or 47 songs of other birds and other sounds. They can do trucks um, hitting their brakes. They can do all sorts of things. So that's a noisy tree over there. <laughs> um, when they come out alone, though, they get they get a little more true to their own heart hmm. and their song, and that's it's lovely in and of itself. Hmm. But and we have lots of cardinals down here, uh, so there's lots of red streaks. Uh, our grass almost looks crimson at times from them running and flying back and forth to the pine trees and mm. fence lines. And uh, so they're, they're a busy, busy. And they must love the South. That's mm. all I can say. We had a lot of them in um, Michigan when I lived there, but um, not like down here. Mm. Do you so, have a favorite bird? I'm a eastern bluebird girl. So when a group of them showed up down here, I just knew God had delivered them to me. Mm. They, they would line up uh, in the evening just before they'd retire. And the neighbor just beyond me has uh, a couple of... Uh, 
the birdhouses that they prefer. And so uh, they have taken over those condominiums and uh, they are just so beautiful when the sunlight hits their wings. It just transports me. Hmm. It's almost so an I, unearthly color. That blue is, you, you find it almost nowhere else except the sky on a perfect day. Yes. Yes, you're right. And I, I love to paint, but I can't capture that blue. Mm. Mm. It, it's really glorious. Mm. What advice would you have for people who are just starting out either in the writing world or in the ministry world? What, what do you wish you could have told your younger self early on in this career path? It, that, that it's more important to be who God asked me to be than it is to be who people expect me to be. Mm. Um, mm. Because expectations can um, come with position. And Mm -hmm. uh, some expectations, uh, if they are not true to your being, will uh, put you on a path that isn't who you were meant to be. So Mm. um, I I would say uh, uh, stay current with what God's asking of you. And... Mm. uh, uh, for instance, I, I I'm supposed to be funny, and I know that. I love <laughs> no <being>. pressure. <laughs> and so, um, when I would do radio interviews, they would say to me before I went in, "Now be funny. We need you <laughs> to be funny." And I said, "Oh, you got the wrong girl. I'm not a comedian. I'm a storyteller." Mm. I said, let's Mm. just talk and something fun will come up, I promise. No, I need Mm. you to tell that story about those pantyhose years, or I need you to tell the story about uh, you and your son and you trying to teach him about prayer. And I go, you know, could we just see where it takes us instead of us going in with this ha 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 idea? But um, it was very hard for them to let go of that because it, it helped them when I was funny because people love to laugh and people need to laugh. If you haven't mm. laughed for a while, go find your friend that makes you giggle mm. and have a, a real dose of a medication that cannot be improved upon. Uh, it just will help you to get rid of a lot of tension. Um, all of us have laughed until we've cried and then cried until we could laugh again. We know there's therapy in it. Mm. So so it was not wrong to want laughter. It's just I'm I'm not that isn't who I am, just a comedian. I'm I'm a little different than that. I'm real different. <laughs> Jesus was a storyteller too, so I think you're in pretty good company. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. Well, Patsy, in this unique and and heavy year of of grief and, you know, recovery from the the magnitude and shock of such a loss, what what is bringing you hope? Where are you finding hope? Well, my um, 
my faith has been a solid place within me that gives me a place to stand. Mm. Uh, the things that add um, fresh joy and come with um, New Day mercies would be friends who um, call me up and we go to lunch mm. or... Um, the other thing I've been doing that I hadn't spent much time thinking about in a long time is purposing uh, to ask myself, um, what pleases you in color? Mm. Uh, what Do you like this room you're in? Or is there something you could do that would create a, a sense of kindness to your own spirit and mind hmm. uh, how might you um, take some of the joy that's been given you throughout the years and package it up creatively to give to someone who who's needing a lift right now hmm. um, so just uh, thinking outside my own lines of how I've thought in the past. I was so busy um, helping my husband and traveling and speaking and writing and all that that involved that I hadn't thought about some of the other things for a while. Hmm. Surrounding yourself with beauty and things that bring yes. you joy. Really, It really does matter. I used to have such a utilitarian view of space. Like, okay, we just need a lamp. Let's get the most affordable <laughs> lamp. And my husband was like, but that lamp is ugly. And for 10 more dollars, we can have a beautiful lamp. And I said, well, it doesn't matter. They both give you light. And he said, it does matter because you have to look at the lamp. <laughs> and there's certain seasons it matters more. Mm. Uh, it, it it does matter. Uh, I found that even the opening up more fully of my window spaces mm. was really important. It allowed in more light mm. and it allowed in more beauty and it mm. allowed me to see um, some of the birds out there fussing at each other. It just, <laughs> it was a lovely way of expanding uh, my horizons, you know, mm. giving. There's something healing about green grass. Mm. It, <laughs> there's something about a grand tree. And now that we know from the proof of people examining it, that the trees are talking to each other uh, underground, I get out there and I think, I wonder what they're saying. I wonder if I could listen in and hear some of that uh, mm. leafy conversation. So um, I don't know. There's, I think it enlarges my heart and the scope of my thinking to see um, a sky full of stars. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there is something about the shapes and the clouds um, I think there's something about the aroma that wafts from a garden. I, all mm. of that, for me, is very um, heady. It, it just fills me um, in ways that nothing else does. So 
I love that God gave us that. He said it was all good. So if he says it's good, wow, it's really got to be valuable. Mm. It helps my mental health. And that is an area that I have had to have a lot of boundaries in and a lot of um, guidance Mm. to think on things that are good and true and pure and just and lovely and of good report. Mm. Tell me a little bit more about that journey for you, because, you know, I I live in California and my generation, everybody's in therapy and they're fine talking about it, but that wasn't true 10, 20, 30 years ago in the same way. What was that journey like for you? You're you're this respected Christian author and speaker and suddenly... (gasps) oh no, there's a mental health challenge? How dare you? Well, I was in trouble with my mental health before I became any of those things. And what uh, people will say, well, how long did it take you to get well? I said, I'm still in process. I think as long as there's breath in our body, there are um, there are temptations around us that can uh, put us back in a bad or a sad place, the kind of sadness that doesn't teach us but threatens us, the kind of sadness where we uh, indulge in pity Mm -hmm. uh, or we dig a pit of regret and don't trust that the mercy of God has taken care of what we can't change. Hmm. Um, But uh, learning more about who God is uh, was one of my greatest therapies, learning how to appropriate the truth of God's word into patterns of living. Hmm. That was a journey and a very long journey. And just about the time I think I got it all right, the rules change suddenly uh, you learn more through uh, life experience and through people who are farther along because you can meet a young person who's gained insight you had never grasped your Mm. whole life, but they were um, prepared uh, in such a way that God has manifested truth through their young years. And it's uh, pretty impressive. So that's where we cannot despise the Timothys he's bringing along. And instead, we need to um, applaud them and encourage them. Mm. But mental health is a real important part of having balance and stability and uh It teaches us our own fallibility, which is coupled with humility. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but it's grasping how we're created Mm -hmm. so that um, we can take intentional steps Mm -hmm. to live a life of integrity So, and to understand that when you mess up, there is a way back and a way out. Hmm. You don't have to be locked in your failure. Um, Hmm. God knows we're fragile and he knows we have um, human uh, weakness and tendencies. And while he's shoring us up with this truth, he's also extremely generous with his 
understanding. Mm. So, uh, and his provision is limitless as far as his forgiveness. Hmm. That is a word. Thank you, Patsy, for just the absolute gift of wisdom and time and stories. Where can people find your beautiful books? Oh, goodness. I don't know. Probably in a very old shop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I have been very blessed to um, still have most of my books in print. Some of them are out. But uh, the latest one that I wrote, which is already a few years back, is You Are More Than You Know. Mm. And I loved writing that book because we are not more than we know because we're hot shots and a big deal. We're more than we know because God is greater than we could imagine. Mm. And as we begin to grasp how much more he is, he begins to bring out of us how much more we can become. Mm. And just the areas of learning how to trust and to, to risk under the protection of his plan and his holiness. Mm. So. That is a beautiful, beautiful word. Well, I will link to your books and where folks can find them in the show notes. If you're on Twitter or social media, Patsy is a delight to follow. I know you're taking a little break here and there, which I respect, but when she's back, she's fun and no pressure, but you should be funny all the time, Patsy. Don't forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the gift of your time on today's episode of The Thing with Feathers. And thank you for your time, for your creative presence, for your joyful spirit, for your determination to stay faithful even when it hurts. And being faithful is it can be a painful project and lasts much longer than we could imagine. But in it, God continues to remain faithful. And he which has begun a good work in you will complete it. He finishes what he starts.